welcome to another episode of the FYE podcast. My name is Dr. Jose Saldivar, joined uh, with uh, Cynthia Saldivar. And to my left, I have Robert Longoria. And to my right, Marilyn Hagerty. Um, and so today we are going to be examining purpose. I've been with the university now since, since the beginning, since the beginning of UTRGV. Prior to that, I worked with UTPA. And in working with first-year students, you know, students often have questions about, well, what is my purpose? What am I doing here? Long-term, what does my life look like? And, and you know, they find themselves looking for meaning. And so I've asked Robert and I've asked Marilyn to join us, join Cynthia and I today to talk about purpose. And so I hope that they um, can maybe talk about their own journeys and their own experiences with purpose uh, and to, to enlighten us and maybe provide some inspiring words, some motivation, and even some, uh, um, well, just share their experiences with others uh, who might be listening uh, today. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you, Marilyn. Um, what would you, when you think of purpose, what do you think of? Uh, right now, as someone who's already been educated, gone through the educational system, I really see purpose as what's the meaning of my life, you know? What impact do I have on my world? Um, am I happy? You know? So the mixture of those and, and the impact I have on my world is something very local with my family, my friends, my colleagues, but also something very broad in connection to my community in the world. But that's very different than what I, how I thought when I was a student coming into the university for the first time. You want me to go on with that? Well, yeah. I mean, okay. what, what was your, what were you thinking when you're um, 17, 18 years old, you know, getting into the university, and you're, and, and I don't know that, that maybe you were thinking about purpose, but what were you thinking at the time? When, when I first started college, I, I came from a rural community, and I had a very loving family. They taught me values about serving other people and caring about your neighbor. But when I thought of college, I didn't think of those things. When I thought of college, I thought, how am I going to make a living? What am I good at academically? And that was college for me. I didn't think about college as being something for me to explore myself. It was more of something, what can I do academically? And so because of that, when I was a senior in high school, I was looking, okay, I like math, but I don't think I want to teach math. So what I did, I went to my guidance counselor. And I said, okay, what is there out there that I could take that I could use math that isn't teaching it? And that's when he said, you know, computers are the big thing now. I go, oh, yeah, I've been hearing a lot about computers. That, I'll, I'll be a computer science major. So when I went into college, I thought my purpose connected with college was to get a degree so I could get a job. And so I put blinders on, and I only looked at that at the beginning until I got a little bit further in college and I started to realize college wasn't only about me developing my skills academically but also finding out who am I you know what am I interested in what gives me meaning what energizes me when I started doing that I was already a junior in college and as a junior I realized oh my god I don't want to sit behind a computer the rest of my life so what am I going to do? And at first, I changed my major. I didn't change it. I added on another major for business, but that still didn't fit. I did a. I worked part time with a computer programming uh, company, and I go, oh my gosh, I just do not want to do this. 
So what I started realizing and I started doing was exploring other things around the university. I also started to get more involved in my church. And I started uh, talking about what I wanted to do. And by talking about it, I started to discover different things about myself. I went to workshops to look at leadership skills and communication. And I started, I went to Appalachia to do a service project. All those things started helping me to understand myself more and to let go of my own visions of myself. And through that, I started discovering my purpose. And my purpose has been a journey. It isn't something I knew as a senior coming out of high school. It's something that has developed over my lifetime. And with that, I think probably the biggest thing I would tell a high school student or somebody now that's a freshman in college, be patient with yourself. You know, you don't have to have everything now. Yeah. It's, it's a journey of discovering who you are as a person. I, um, you know, I think um, you, you bring up some really valid points. But in, in listening to your story, one question that I have is, has, has much changed? Um, and I ask this because I, I see our students, and both you and I work with first-year students, and I see our students coming in already with 20, 30 hours, 30 plus hours of, of college. Um, you know, we have early college high schools, and almost with the expectation, like, they need to know what they're gonna do with the rest of their lives. And, and I don't know, I, sometimes I feel like, and most of the time I feel like, we're not allowing them to truly go through with that journey. Um, I don't know, and, and Marilyn, you, or Robert, Cynthia, anybody, would anybody like to, what do you think about that? Are we allowing students to, to follow through on this journey uh, where they're allowed to, to, to find and to, and to explore and, and really get at that question of what is my purpose? I'd like to touch base. So um, I, I had the privilege of, of taking uh, at, the, uh, at the cornerstone of my ninth and 10th year summer, I had the privilege of, of taking a uh, dual enrollment course, specifically psychology. Um, this has been, it's been a while since I did that, but uh, I got my, my taste of college, right? I, I hadn't, you know, ever done that as a, as a kid, but I had heard about it, you know, it's college is the way to go. And so my mother, in her infinite wisdom, is saying, hey, you know, you should probably get a jump start on it. You know, there are, there's going to be that moment to where, you know, you should seize this opportunity because college is expensive. And to me, it is. You know, it may be significantly cheaper here. But you know what? When you hear, hear $40,000 a year, that's a lot of money to a high school kid. Oh, yeah. And it's like, why am I going to throw that away? You know, and, and, and so college at a young age for me man, okay, I need to be able to take care of this course. You know, if I cannot get two out, two, uh, two birds with one stone at the same time, get college or high school, get college for, for the university, I'm set, you know? That's half my debt or half of whatever I have to owe out of the way, and it's tuition-free for me, you know? That's a privilege. And, I, you know, in doing that, I, I, I started taking courses at that level. I followed that up the following summer, and I eventually, you know, was able to, to take concurrent enrollment, different from dual enrollment, but concurrent enrollment at the um, high school level during the school year, you know, not necessarily during the summer. And, and I continued that. I, I ended up, I didn't graduate. I, I got jealous, right? I got jealous of, of students that were saying, oh, I'm graduating with, a, uh, with an associate's degree, or I'm already halfway through my, my bachelor's degree. I thought, 
that is um, that's amazing. But you you see these folks that are are what you perceive to be advanced, at least in their own path or life, and it's like, geez, what am I doing wasting my time? And so when I entered college, I, I, I entered thinking, okay, you know, uh, I, I'm going to go to SCC, and so that I don't throw away everything that I've built up, my investment, right? I'm going to go ahead and stay at SCC. I'm not going to go ahead and transfer to a, a St. Edwards University, pay a fortune on that. I'm not going to go to UTRGV, you know, throw away some, some money that I went ahead and put in, um, you know, w- within time and, and start from scratch. And, and I, I made the choice to, to start at SCC and, and complete with an associate's degree so that when I transferred to UTRGV or any other accredited university, I wouldn't have to worry about this transfer of credits. You know, I, I fortunately had um, some mentorship in some form saying, you know what, don't necessarily just transfer with, with courses missing, otherwise you won't be accepted. And I'm like, I don't want to throw it away, so I'm going to follow that. And I graduated. Um, December of my graduation year. You know, I had the fortune of, of taking care of that at that time. And I, then the following semester transferred over to UTRGV, then uh, UTPA. And, you know, as I was going through this, as I was going through this journey, I, I felt I gravitated towards the idea that I would be an English major. I enjoyed the challenge that English provided in my mind. Okay, it's reading and writing. I'm good at that. I can master that and I can do it effectively. And as I was going through that, I just, I sort, I sort of felt, um, one, you know, I, I was, at, I was a transfer student. I, I felt that I didn't need to worry about what other students maybe starting as freshmen were because, hey, you know, I started college early. I don't have to attend, you know, I don't have to attend orientation because you know what I've been doing it. Um, I don't have to worry about maybe taking remedial courses. And so I felt a little bit good about that. But then I also felt okay. I'm coming from one culture to another. There was these subtle things. People don't tell you, okay, you've got to go ahead and, and figure things out on your own. You should have a, a good understanding of how this system works if you're getting this far. And, and I felt, you know, for, for a while, at least in my initial semester, uh, lost and, and frustrated at, at some of the bureaucracy surrounding it, right? I'm not used to waiting in line for hours and hours at, at the register's desk. I'm not waiting for hours and hours, you know, trying to get a damn answer. You know, I want it here. I want it now. And it's frustrating as, a, as, a, as an incoming student to have to deal with that. It wasn't something that I was used to. I was, I was used to saying, okay, um, take this course, take this course, take this course. And on a much smaller scale, that, of course, works. But when you're dealing with, you know, hundreds of thousands of students on an annual basis, how could I have known that, right? It, it's just one of those things that doesn't hit you until you know. You don't know until you know. And, and boy, do I know it now, right? Um, but, but I guess looking at that, right, um, going back on track to, to talking about my undergrad experience, the plan was I'm going to go ahead and graduate, I'm going to go ahead and teach. And I, I certainly did that. I, I graduated and I taught. And uh, as I was teaching, I asked myself, because the, the year I started teaching, I t- taught in September of that year of graduation. I graduated, I think, in, a, in a December 2020-whatever, 20, 20 and I was going to go ahead and teach the following year, uh, September. And so I'm not going to waste my time with a teaching program. I'm not going to get certification. I can get an alternative certification. In my mind, okay, 
I've got to be in a rush. I've got to go ahead and, and make that return on investment, either to myself or to my family, because at the end of the day for me, right, education at that point was about the investment, was about the finances. And you know, it's, it's funny, I don't necessarily think in that, that way now, but looking back then, you know, it's, it's hard because there is this big push, right? There's this big pressure, either from family or, or culture in general, you're going to college to make money. You're going to college. Not necessarily, of course, you want to better yourself, but that's to better your social status, right? If you're spending your evenings on the floor, right, sleeping on the floor, you're spending your evenings worrying about, okay, when am I going to eat? When am I going to pay the light bill? And you have family that, that you know, have all these economic worries. You're not thinking about it. It's like, when can I get out of here so I can get the job I need to support myself and my loved ones? And it's, it's immensely frustrating. I can, I can empathize with those, those students that are just dealing with, are just dealing with the situation of, of helplessness, are dealing with the stresses that, oh shoot, books cost how much? And that's a, you know, I, and, and it's astounding to me, the price of books. You know what? If it if were, were up to me, you know, I'd look all the books up online, download a PDF. I'm not endorsing that, by the way, but it's like you've got to find these hacks. You've got to find these things that people aren't going to tell you. Because when I got here and I had to pay that much for a book, yeah, financial aid isn't going to cover that. And I I question, right? I mean, it's going to cover it, right? But it's... It's 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 a it's a it's a moment to where how expensive is college, and and how realistic is college for me as a student, as an emerging scholar coming from a background to where okay, I can barely get the supplies I need for school. I, you want me to do what? And it's frustrating sometimes. Um, Real quick, so <clears throat> I'm hearing a couple of things. One that uh, that it, that still. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to try to, 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 to figure when you were an undergrad, Marilyn, or when you were an undergrad, Robert, but let's say over a period of time, it doesn't sound like very much has changed in terms of looking at college as this return on investment, figuring out, okay, what am I going to do that's going to make me money to maybe improve my social status or improve the situation for my family, right? We can't deny the reality of our students' reality. And we're in South Texas. A lot of our students are... Uh, poor to working class, um, and so I understand they're thinking about this return on investment. Um, is it is it a luxury then to think about one's purpose? Because now in hearing in hearing you talk, and a little bit in what you said, Marilyn, and hearing what Robert said, it almost feels like, well, damn me for wanting to to take some time to figure out my purpose. It almost feels um, self-indulgent, <laughs> but but I can't deny that it that it isn't important, or, or is it? And do we have do our students have the time? Do they have the resources, the space to think about their purpose? I think for me, um, I was always told at a young age I was going to be an attorney. Right? I come from low-income family. I was the one who was going to go to college, become an attorney, and support my family. That was my purpose. 
Um, I went to school in Bowling Green State University, and when you leave home and you're so far away, it is you have to learn to find yourself or you're just completely lost. It's no longer a luxury. It's a, holy crap, I don't have family here. I don't have friends here. What am I doing here? And so you question, why did I go to school so far away? Yes, I got a scholarship. So yeah, it had a lot to do with financial aid and being able to afford it. Um, but you do wonder, like, my family's over there, they're at home, they're suffering, I can't help, I'm so far away. What is this return on investment? And then I learned a lot about my culture, and it's crazy. I joke around how I grew up in Brownsville, Texas, but I had to go to Ohio to find out about my culture. And um, in finding, about, finding out about my culture, I found my purpose. And my purpose isn't necessarily to support my family, but to support my community. And when you do that, you don't get paid a lot of money. And so even though I do have a college education, I definitely don't support my family like my extended family, because I my salary, I just, I just can't, right? Um, my brother um, graduated from high school, is working for Apple. He's doing really well. His wife doesn't have a four-year degree. She's a paralegal. She's doing really well. So I don't necessarily think that college in our family is what gave us the return on investment, because I have family that is extremely successful without a college degree. But I can say that I'm happy in life because I went to college and I found my purpose. And if I would have just been looking for the return on investment, I don't know if I would be happy. So for me, I don't necessarily see it as a luxury, but I mean, what do we want from life? That's a good question. So let me ask, uh, so, Mer so Cynthia's happy. She uh, was able to find her purpose figure out what she wants to do, what she needed to do. Um, Marilyn, are you happy? Yes. And, I, and I, I, I agree with you. There's something, for me, when I went solely on supporting myself, being a computer science major, that would have gotten me the big bucks. But when, when I felt like it wasn't meeting my need to have an impact on the world the way I wanted to, not how anybody else wanted to, but for myself, I didn't feel fulfilled. I felt like, oh, I'm, it's a drudgery of a job that doesn't fit me. So I think whether um, it's a, about money and supporting family, if it doesn't fit me, if it doesn't fit who I am as a person, then I'm not happy. And, and what, I, what I have seen is that my purpose has given me direction for my life. It, I've changed jobs many times. I've done a wide variety of things, but my purpose in a sense, I think my purpose really is working with young people and young adults and helping them to discover their own selves, their purpose. That gives me joy and energy, you know? And, and I think that's the thing. You look at all my jobs, when I got done with one job, where I was at that point, I made my next decision not on money, but on where is this leading me to, who am I right now, where do I want to go next? So I, I think that's why, I remember when I was in college, my biggest fear was that I was going to get stuck in a career that I didn't want. And I didn't have to. I took where I was and I took the next step. So even though I was a computer science major and it didn't fit me anymore, the next thing I did is I started working in a school. Then I started working with young 
youth and youth ministry. And from that, I became a director of a program. And then I saw I don't have the skills I need. So then I went for my master's in counseling and guidance. So that gave me more skills that I didn't have before. And then with that, I took the next step. So each place where I was at, I continued to look at where, I, where am I now? And has my purpose changed? Has my direction changed? And usually that wasn't changing. It was just how was I implementing that in my life? So awesome. No, thank yeah. you. Robert, where are you at? So I didn't, I didn't get to finish the story, but maybe, you know, kind of. I got a hold of something that you said, and I, I didn't want to lose it, and I thought, and uh, it, it just felt like the right moment. And so I apologize, but you can feel free to continue or... Or, or answer the question of, you know, are you happy and, and do you think you found your purpose or, as Marilyn has suggested, are you still on this journey? And I, I kid about that, but um, looking looking at it, and I'm glad we lightened it up a little bit, um, as I was teaching, I was teaching about 21 years old, and I was supporting my family. My, my parents weren't working. Of course, my younger siblings weren't working either. They couldn't. And um, it, it was, I was seeing my, my monthly income. I was making far more maybe than the one maybe the average teacher was making. I was fortunate enough to, to be in a, in a position to do that. And um, I, I saw my, my income go month to month, you know, just down. Um, and what I mean by that is that I would take home such and such amount and I would dump it all into family expenses. I wasn't able to grow any any wealth. I wasn't able to you know have any savings. It just dissipated into that. And and for me personally, right? I mean, it's not something I like to talk about. It's but it's important, right? Because it's it's important to talk about these conversations. Is that money? You know, in this culture, at least for me, in my experience, you know, it, it is a, is it is it a it's in it's not everything, but it's something. And. It was infuriating sometimes just to say, geez, I'm, I'm working every day of my life and I, I'm not seeing a cent of it. And I love my family, I really do. And it, it's an honor to, to do that, it really is. But it just, at some point it just frustrates you that you're, you're having to, to take loans out just to catch up. It's frustrating to have to, to just not see that horizon. And things are made, are compounded um, the following, it, it's the same school year, but the following semester, I guess, in spring. So I started in the fall of such and such year. The spring I, I uh, was teaching and it was getting ready. It was, it was during March, right? It's getting ready. We're on spring break. Uh, my mother is looking to get a job. And suddenly, you know, she's the day of that she's going back to work. She was a former marketing uh, director. Um, and uh, she, she quit that job. She walked away from it. She had been a year and a half without a job. Um, she woke up one morning feeling ill, and I, I said, Mom, you know, you're doing okay, let me take you somewhere to just eat, you know, maybe you're just a little bit nervous, because of course there was all this pressure to get back on the wheel. And um, long story short, she suffered a stroke, and, uh, you know, we, we didn't recognize it at the time, but it severely affected her. And the, the week after, when she was able to come home, she suffered another stroke, another mini stroke and a heart attack. And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna delve into that, but she was left paralyzed and she was in the hospital and in a nursing home, a nursing home that she provided services for for a while. 
And so it was a terrible, terrible time. And I got so, I mean, I, I don't know how, what I felt at the time. I can't really look back at it with, with the right lens. But, I mean, I, there was this vacuum in my life for a while. And it was such a traumatic experience that I'm, I'm still working through, right? It's something that you carry with you, this experience, this adversity. And it was tough. It was tough seeing my mother who could do everything in the world, just kind of work through this illness. And it, it struck her fairly hard, struck our family fairly hard. And so during that time, I was watching this movie. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. Maybe you have. It's, it's, uh, it's a wild movie, uh, Noah. Um, and I, I saw that movie. And I love the director, Darren Aronofsky. And that's how I make meaning through life, coincidentally, through storytelling. And I grappled with that. I, I, I listened to this man's journey. I watched this man's journey unfold, right? You know, the, despite circumstance, the, the metaphor is you continue forward. And sort of looking at that and, and grappling with my mother's illness, I told my dad, I pulled him aside one day, and I said, Dad, I'm not going to be teaching anymore. I, I believe in my heart that this isn't for me, not because of the kids, not because of anything else but myself. I just, I'm not feeling it. And as much as I enjoy aspects of it, it's not a good fit for me. So I know we're, we're struggling and I know we're going through this. And I know you're in between jobs, but I'm going to try to make this shift. And I, and, I, and I had the whole summer I had from May or whatever through the summer to, to get a job. And I didn't get a job until um, the fall which I did, thankfully. I had a door open and I, I went for it. I just swung right for it. And I, I ended up here as, an, as a, grad, uh, grad, uh, a graduate assistant. And I'm so thankful for it. You know, I, I was with, uh, during grad school, I think it's really, because I was doing grad school and I was doing, I was doing uh, my job and I was doing all these other things. And I, I happen to have, uh, I happen to go into uh, an office called Undergraduate Research and Service Learning. And uh, I, I'm there with uh, Dr. Danica Brown, and I'm, and I'm there, and we, we talk about it. I have a few classes with her, and, and just the idea, right? The idea that it, it wasn't until I, it's funny, I, I didn't reach grad school. It wasn't until I reached grad school when this, this calling emerged. I had some time to think. I had some time away from all the noise that is life. Not always, but just during these classes, I would engage in conversations I wouldn't with other folks. I enjoy other folks, but not everyone's going to want to engage with you like, okay, look at this theory. Oh, talk about deeply about what you love about this, you know, really breaking apart how life works. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's going to do that. And I'm not saying it's wrong not to do that, right? But it's, it was really freeing and, and intellectually engaging to me to be able to participate in discussions like that. And so when I, when I went to, to URSL, right, when I, when I was there, I could see this, this theory and, and practice meeting, right, this idea that there is something called service learning, that, that theorists from a while back ago, you know, came up with these concepts or discussed these concepts, and you're seeing it in action. And so looking at that, learning more theory, I, I, I just, I was dissatisfied with how some of the, the school testing was. And I think that really kind of pushed me out of that. I wasn't there to teach necessarily. I was there to replicate models of learning. And within that, that fight within myself, I, I decided to break away. But looking at that, hearing and working in this office, people 
bringing other folks together and just working towards a common goal, right? Supporting research, supporting service learning. That was meaning, that was purpose to me. People are helping other people. And at the end of the day, I had to ask myself, Robert, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I want to create and I want to help people. And that's what I'm doing now. You know, I, I have the privilege of working at the university in a, in a role that allows me the opportunity to write. I'm not writing maybe screenplays or fiction, but I'm, I'm helping to craft a vision, right? I, I had the privilege of working through, through, uh, through my position on the website. I had the opportunity to help develop resources, stuff I wasn't able to do. You know, I'm, I'm directly affecting change. It's not the change that you're going to notice every day, right? You're not going to, you're going to go on a website. Who appreciates the website? But I did. I, I appreciated what I did. And it was like, well, it's, it's done in a way that's helping people. You know, these systems that you don't think about, you know, and I don't, I don't care to get credit for it. But just helping people is what's important to me. So to answer your question, right, I, it had to get to grad school to, to get purpose, right? But you shouldn't wait until grad school. You should be asking your question. You should be questioning yourself now. Am I doing what I love? And what is it that I love? And how can I work to get to my love? I really, Marilyn, I really gravitated to what you said, right? Because it's in hindsight. Okay. Can I, can, you know, I, I'm looking at these connections. You're jumping from one place to another to another. But you're building a set of skills. You're building a set of things that maybe other people wouldn't value in the moment. But long term, it influenced you. You know, I worked, I did... In between jobs, I did adverts for the monitor. I didn't know that that was a skill that was be helpful, but I worked on it. And, you know, I just, I, I, I want to ask you, Jose, what's your purpose and how did you recognize that in school? Okay, a couple of things. Just my thoughts on, on, on purpose, again, you know, working with first-year students and getting back to the question about where our students are at where they're coming from, what they're come, what kinds of lenses or where their focus is. And the question that I ask, is it self-indulgent? Is it, do our students have the freedom and the space to ask that question, right? What is my purpose? Um, I don't think our students have that space. I don't think it's cultivated and I don't know that it's encouraged. And so, um, it doesn't feel like that's what they have that luxury, right? They're coming from a, from a place where, I mean, you said it yourself, Robert, your job as a teacher, you felt, was to replicate, right? Your words were replicate learning systems of learning, right? And so it's, it's about how well they can regurgitate that information, how well can they follow through with that. Um, I consider myself to be incredibly lucky and fortunate. Uh, like Cynthia, I left home. I'm from the Valley, but I went away to school. And I remember going with the with my eyes set on going into business because business would make me money. And I always tell my students, I envision myself being a CEO and, and having a, a, a an office on the top of a large skyscraper and looking down at all the people working for me. And, and I quickly realized, very quickly realized, that was not me. But what helped was one, I wasn't necessarily pressured to find a major. So I, I took my time. The other thing, and I think what was most critical for me was my father and my mother always said, 
do what you love and figure that out. And they gave me the freedom to do that. There was never any pressure about what kind of job are you going to get? Will you get a job? Never. They never asked me that. And, uh, and I can't tell you how liberating that was. And so I think about our students, and I don't think our students have that luxury. And, and some of it's financial. Some of it's just a nece- the, nece- the reality of their financial situation where they don't have the time, they don't have the, the, the opportunity to ask themselves that. I did. I, yeah, it, even though my parents were working class and, you know, with, I tell my students, I didn't have a plan. You know, when I was graduating, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to be an elementary teacher was my backup plan. But I didn't have a necessary, this is my path. This job that I'm in now, I've been in this job, this is my 16th year at the university, fell into my lap. And I was in the right place at the right time. And I was still on that journey of finding my purpose. And I found, I think I found my purpose here. And my purpose is, uh, is like Cynthia's, to help my community and to help other students. And even if the only space that they have where they can ask that question is in my class, then that's enough for me. Because I, I can't control what happens in a history class or political science class. But if in my class I can give them the space and the freedom and the support to ask, what am I doing here? Then I've done my job. And if I can help them find that, like get there, even better. Um, and so I always tell my students, I love my job. I didn't plan for it. Right? It, it is a journey. I think, I think what all of our, conversa- our conversation here, if it's illustrated anything, it's that it's a journey. Some of us have the luxury of, of starting that journey earlier than others, though. Um, some of us, it, it happens after tragedy. It happens after setbacks. It happens after any number of things. And I think, uh, but it is a journey. And, and again, uh, I would just encourage our students and others to not be fearful of taking that journey on. Right, of asking those questions and and it's okay if you're not sure about your major it's okay that you know you have 30 hours and now you're feeling like ah, that's I don't think I want to do this right um, and you know maybe I'm sure that's not sitting well if parents are hearing this <laughs> you know but but that's just been my experience and you know I've been doing this for a long time working with students and and I feel like you know I, I think I'm pretty good at my job so I'm comfortable saying that. One of the um, one of the things that I learned going through uh, through college was this idea of transfer transfer skills, right? Mm-hmm. This idea that I can go through these various thresholds and and take with me skills that will transcend my field. And you know, Maryland's an example of that. You're an example of that. You know, this idea that. That really, I mean, and maybe it just comes with experience, right? But if we could pass this knowledge on to students earlier, right? It's like, what can I do now? Okay, I love to, I love to write, um, and I and I am in the in the field of teaching, right? But where can I go from from teaching, right, to to something? That, you know, what are the building blocks, right? And and using with what you have, right? I mean, that's that's the resilience mindset. I mean. Cynthia, we've talked about this in the past, right? How resilience is something that you cultivate, that you develop. Do you mind talking about that? About how I cultivate resilience? Yeah. 
What is it? What? What's resilience to you? Resilience to me? Well, I went through the UPenn resilience training, so I'm actually sort of inspired to like train people on how to be resilient. Um, but if you're asking what it means to me, um, as we've spoken, I, I tend to be a pessimistic person. I'm a half, half empty kind of gal. Um, and resilience to me just kind of taught me that my thoughts and my actions shape my consequences, right? So bad things happen to everybody, but if you're always kind of the Eeyore in the situation, then you're always gonna be doom and gloom. But if you try to find the good in your day, then you're just a happier person. So that's what resilience is to me. It's trying to be happy and positive. Has that served you well? I think so, yeah. yeah. But I'm a work in progress. <laughs> So it, it's, it's challenging for me, but I'm definitely a work in progress. I think kind of connecting to that, I'm more of an optimistic person. And I think for me and what I encourage my students to do in the classroom, look for the options, look for experiences, look for like, especially on a campus like this, anytime between classes, when there's workshops available, when there's opportunities like service learning or student organizations or something that you can do that's part so it doesn't feel like it's taking away from maybe those responsibilities it gives them an opportunity to to be able to reflect on their purpose for me i didn't take that and i regret that so that's why i try to help them to don't shut yourself off don't put blinders on try to be open to the experiences around you. And from that, you will continue to learn more about yourself. And, and by, by doing that, you will enter the journey. You know, I think you kind of said that, and that happened for you in graduate school. And so if they at least know that that's something that does help them to, to um, discover, because I think finding our purpose is an uncovering of who we are. And the more that we're open to those experiences around us and the needs of our world and where are my concerns, I think the more we'll uncover our purpose. And so that's what I try to do with my students. Give them opportunities, help them be aware of experiences that are available for them on campus. And people, when they meet somebody, what about that person excites you? Get mentors, you know, as they go along the way. That's what happened with you in graduate school. It's a really, one of the things I wish I had done, right? If I had taken full advantage of, of attending maybe a, a four-year university as a freshman, looking back, I would have participated in research. I would have participated in service learning, right? There are so many opportunities that go unseen because you have that laser focus. I've got to get out of here. And, you know, I, I have a sister and I have a brother in college here at the university. And, uh, and I tell them, I encourage them, hey, Pete, hey, Tori, you know, indulge a little. Use this time as a, use this place as some, some uh, an exploratory place where you can really define and help uncover these aspects you didn't know you had. My sister, she told me yesterday she was getting out of a UNIV class coincidentally, and I was waiting for her, and we talked on the ride home. And she said, hey, Bobby, I was listening to, to one of my professors, and I, I would like to study abroad. I want to look into that. Mm -hmm. 
It's so great to hear that just from my sister because she's she's someone that just wanted to kind of pass by. She's someone that, bless her, you know, is, is has been working her way through life and is in the process of becoming. And it's just, it's heartening to hear, you know, I want to discover myself. I want to take ownership of myself. I want to form my identity because that's what I hear when I hear that. And it's, it's something that I think that all students should do, right? Uh -huh. Take the time and if you have the opportunity right let me pause let me slow down let me enjoy and savor what i have if i'm here on financial aid i don't need to just breeze through it or if i'm working several things and i'm working my way through maybe one class at a time take the time maybe to savor that class this is a stepping stone at the end of the day right whether they work here at the university whether they work somewhere else this is a stepping stone through the rest of your life. This isn't the be-all, end-all, but this is certainly a place to launch yourself into the stratosphere of life, to just take that launching path. So in the takeaway is a, right, creating that space, encouraging our students to engage in that conversation, to be reflective, to ask themselves these questions, take advantage of the resources that the university provides, uh, particularly in in areas outside of maybe their major in things like research and things like service learning and things like study abroad. Um, is there anything else, I mean, anything else that we as, as faculty or as an institution can do to help students begin that journey uh, and help see them through that journey? Could you rephrase that question? I'm sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm a little bit slow, I'm, I'm still. You know, we, we work for a university. We work with students. Um, and I, I think in listening to each of us, I think each of us has done in their own way, uh, is doing something to encourage students to begin the journey, right? The journey where they explore who they are and they explore their purpose. Is there anything else that we can do or anything else institutionally that we can do to support students, help them begin that journey, help them follow through on that journey? So anything that staff, anything that faculty can do to help students on their journey through life? Yeah. I think one thing that I'm looking at in connection with UNIB, but I think in other ways too, I think mentoring is a, is a key thing for us as faculty. But what I'm working on right now is with alumni and try to see are there ways that we can encourage alumni to come back and mentor our students. And the way I'm doing it, just a little way I'm starting to work with career services, is to identify people who would be willing to do career interviews. And because I, I think that if students have the opportunity to talk with field people in the field they think they'd like to go into, then they can see, oh, I never thought about that. Or maybe I don't like that like I thought I did because it doesn't fit me. It gives them an opportunity to start talking with people about what they want to do, you know, with a career, with themselves. So I think one thing we can continue to do is the whole thing of mentoring. Uh, we can look at how can alumni be involved in the university in ways that connects up with students as faculty. How, how can we encourage students to, uh, to research with us, you know? And, and in our classrooms, I think just what you said, Jose, to allow them to ask the questions, to give them the space to talk with each other, to, to explore together within the class, I think gives them 
the opportunity to maybe to go to a different level of looking at what they want out of life. I would basically, I guess for me, I would just tell our students that sometimes when you think about your purpose, it's just this big, gigantic thing, right? And I know that as a first-generation undergraduate student, if you would have talked to me about service learning and undergraduate research and I'm listening to this podcast, I might be feeling a little overwhelmed right now because those are words that I'm not familiar with and it sounds scary. Undergraduate research sounds scary, right? So for me, what I did to find my purpose was just get involved. I think some of my greatest memories in college is having the opportunity to be on the sidelines at a Bowling Green State football game because I was part of the student government and I was the athletic chair and so I got to do really cool things like that. And I was in a sorority and just get involved on campus and just doing those little activities is gonna help you find your purpose and it doesn't have to be scary or intimidating. And if you open yourself up in a classroom and you start participating, those mentorships, that will happen because we have faculty and staff on this campus who are looking for, for students to help. So just put yourself out there. Thank you. Robert, any final words? You, you might not be able to tell, but I'm an introvert. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like really engaging in large crowds of people. I can, I can fake it. I can, I can, you know, uh, I can put myself out there, sure. I, I enjoy solitude. I take pleasure in that. And I wasn't at that stage to where I felt confident in myself. More confident, I should say. I wasn't at that stage when I entered college to where I felt I could negotiate. I wasn't at the stage where I could I could be bold and say, you know what, let me put my my saved dreams for my family or someone else's dreams on hold. I I wasn't at that stage. And you know, I it's it's something that you just you know, you just got to be and I'm always chasing that when I'm running when I'm running I, I always tell myself and this is a phrase I, I tell folks I tell myself Robert okay this is so hard but you're gonna do it and here's what what's this is what's gonna get you through that I can I will I am and those are the gateways to I did and you can't get there unless you're being right you can't you can't get there unless you're embodying what that is, right? You spend so much time inside your head thinking about all the possibilities or being, you know, strangled by all the lack of possibility. And you just, you can't think. You're so overwhelmed by other folks that it's just so tough to do. So if I had to say one thing, just tell yourself this. I can. I will. I am. And I promise you, you're going to get to where you need to be and say, I did. Thank you. Yeah. And with, uh, with that, this concludes uh, this episode of the FYE podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next time.